Three Trips Ahead is brought to you by redtag.ca. Plan your perfect winter trip today. Are we there yet? I have to go to the bathroom. I don't think the GPS is working. Mom, he won't stop making weird noises. I'm hungry. Hey, look at that. Is that a moose? No, it's a cow, stupid. Ah, the lure of the open road. In this day of automated transportation and relatively cheap air travel, it's easy to forget that for most of us, that first vacation took place in the family car. I'm Maureen Holloway. Welcome to Three Trips Ahead, the podcast that doesn't so much tell you where to go as how to get there. And I'm here to tell you that the road trip is alive and well. You know who else is here? Travel writer Amanda Lee, all the way from Australia, although she lives in Toronto now. Amanda thinks some of the best trips happen when you're behind the wheel, and she joins me now to talk about what it takes to hit the open road. Amanda, we've been talking about traveling mostly by plane, uh, sometimes by train or by boat, but we've completely overlooked until now the open road, the lure of the open road. Why do you like to travel by car, van, motorbike? What, <laughs> what, what, what are the advantages to that? Um, well, I love it because um, it's an opportunity. It's like slow travel, like the slow food movement. It's slow travel. So it's really an opportunity to um to see where you're going um, on your way to getting there. And um, I love it because I love the freedom of it. I love the idea of having the freedom to take a detour, to um, suddenly hear about a new place or a new town or um, you maybe go past a museum or a winery on the way and you can stop and you can go and have a look at that. Now, you've done a number of road trips all over the world in RVs, in cars, on motorcycles. Which one was the most memorable? One of the, uh, one of the more memorable road trips was traveling down to Nashville uh, from Toronto and uh, driving down um, gave us the flexibility of having a car once we were in Nashville so that we could get around and see things. But it also gave us an opportunity to um, spend a night at the farm, which is the oldest hippie commune in the U.S. <laughs> Where's it, the farm? Where is it? It's in Tennessee. It is. Um, is it, it is still quite, operating as a commune? It, it is. It's quite something. We stayed with a couple who have been there since the 70s. This commune was started with a, a, a bunch of people basically piled into an old school bus and set up this commune, and the school bus is still there. Wow. And uh, it was quite the experience, and it's very much off the beaten path. So that was um, that was <laughs> that was definitely uh, a, a great add-on to the road trip. You know, that and just just the beauty of seeing the landscape as you're driving along. And let's not forget, a lot of these places, you can't get there any other way. No. You have to have a car. You have to have a car. So when you plan a destination, when you say, okay, we're going to drive there, I mean, you can take the scenic route, Mm -hmm. you can take the practical route. How do you usually go about making the most out out of your planned road trip? So in terms of, I think the biggest factor is first is how much time do you have? Um, I think that really determines um, whether you're going to take a scenic route or if you are going to get there to your destination as quickly as possible and then maybe take a little bit more time on the way back to stop and enjoy um, the the trip along the way. I think that um, the internet has really uh, revolutionized um, how we plan our trips. And of course, now a lot of people have their own cell phones. So that's really changed a lot of the way that we can plan a trip. 
Um, you can still do it the old-fashioned way, get your roadmap out. I remember those things. They're awesome, and I think they still have a place in road trips. Uh, there are apps like Road Trippers that um, is a free app that's available where you can um, you can design your trip ahead of time and you can put in different pit stops that you want to take. It will make suggestions of restaurants um, and places to stay along the way. So really, even something as simple as Google Maps, you can see how long is it going to take for you to get to Winnipeg. You can you can um, manipulate it so you say, okay, want to go around Lake Superior. Mm-hmm. And then all you need to do is just factor in how long can you drive in a day? Where do you want to stop and, um, and, and go from there? I've got, you know, good old-fashioned guidebooks still exist for that purpose, especially road trips. Yes. I know because I just bought one. <laughs> I'm going to be driving through Portugal. And I found a book that said road trips through Portugal. And that's, uh, that is great. Should you rent your, a vehicle I mean, how often is that a good idea? I guess it depends on whether you own one or what kind of car you have. Yeah. I think that um, I have certainly rented a vehicle to take road trips. I've also used my own vehicle. And I think that there are some advantages to renting. Um, If your car's a little older, maybe it needs some work, you're not so sure if it's going to make it all the way down to Florida and back, for example, in the middle of, you know, winter, then you might want to think about renting a car um, just for peace of mind. Another reason is if you're actually traveling like in your case, going to Portugal, if you're going to Portugal, you're not going to take your car with you unless you've got <laughs> a lot of money. So then you're looking at renting a car. Um, so it makes more sense if you're if you're actually flying to another destination, which one time I went to Portland, flew out to Portland, rented a uh, convertible, which was amazing, <laughs> and drove down um, down the highway, uh, down through um, Northern California. So that's an example where it made sense to rent and it was part of the experience. I did the same thing. I rented a convertible when I drove along 1A between San Francisco and Los Angeles. I think that's the only thing you should... I don't even like convertibles, <laughs> but I have this image that that's what I should be driving I will, along that highway. I learned a very hard lesson on that road trip, which is that... Um, you either, you, you can't even wear a hat because it'll no. blow off, but you definitely need to wear a headscarf because I ended up with a extremely burnt scalp. Yeah, not only, and then your hair, if you've got longer <laughs> hair, gets absolutely matted and no, no, it's not nearly as glamorous as it appears. What about RVs, uh, recreational vehicles? Would you recommend it? It is amazing. I have, I've done it a number of times. It, it feels like a bit of a, like a hippie move. It's, you know, it's almost like something out of Scooby-Doo. Like a micro bus? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so I've done road trips in uh, RVs that we've borrowed from family, um, which is wonderful because everything's provided. But I've also done a, a, an extended RV trip where we went and purchased the RV ourselves and spent 10 weeks traveling through Europe in this RV that we bought off a couple who were looking to sell it. Um, it, The advantage of that was that they gave us everything that they had, including a couple of bikes that were on their last legs. And uh, it was a wonderful way to see Europe. And then at the end of that 10 weeks, we sold the RV. But uh, you're a bit like a a snail or a turtle. You've got your home on your back. Um, you have a lot of flexibility in where you're going to stay. You have a lot of flexibility in terms of saving money because you can make your own meals. And it's just, it's a really wonderful way to go out and see places that you may never get to see. Yes and no, though. I would imagine, like, I know nothing about this, but there's a difference between uh, an RV, which you, well, for, for one thing, you, like you said, you have your, your, your home on your back, but particularly in Europe, you can't go into town. 
I understand what you're saying. I mean, there are certain things you need to think about. Um, we traveled around in smaller towns in Europe. Uh, larger cities become um, problematic in as much as, yes, you're looking where you're going to park your RV, then you're looking at where you're going to sleep for the night. You're probably going to have to pay for a hotel. Um, for the trip that I took, it was an opportunity to go to places that were outside the major cities. Mm-hmm. So I went to um, the Socha um, Valley in uh, Slovenia and it was one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen. And it was somewhere that I probably never would have seeked out and, and gone on my own. We we almost stumbled across it along the way. And so that's part of the beauty of, of traveling in an RV is that you really can see the countryside. You know, you can see other Europe outside of just the major cities. Yeah. Or America or Australia or Canada. Let's talk about the brass tax of renting a car, as so many people do. It is exorbitantly expensive in some places and ridiculously cheap in others. Mm. Now, uh, for example, and uh, let's take into account the fact that that fuel costs more, say, in Europe, Mm -hmm. um, and you don't get the same uh, uh, selection of cars because they don't usually drive as big as cars as we do in North America. And uh, the drop-off charges. I mean, if you are going from A to B and not going back to A, you're going to pay like as much as a 500 euro fee for that. So any tips that you want to pass on in terms of renting cars? Um, Well, I think that when it comes to renting cars, there are websites available to at least look around and see what the best deal is that you can get. And they will uh, do the legwork for you and find out what the the cheapest uh, car rental price would be. Um, but you're right. I mean, I think that, uh, there, there can be some disadvantages. If you have a larger family, you may not have access to such a large vehicle. Um, but then if you're in somewhere like Europe where, um, countries are smaller or spaces are smaller, you have the opportunity to, uh, to see more in, in the time that you're there. So when would it be worth it to buy a vehicle instead of renting one? Uh, whether you decide to rent or buy really, I think, depends on how long you plan to be traveling for. Um, if you're only going to go on a trip for a couple of weeks, it perhaps doesn't make a lot of sense to rent and, sorry, to buy and then sell a vehicle. Um, if you're going to be planning a much longer trip, then there are certainly some advantages to buying a vehicle and selling it when you're done rather than renting a vehicle. I think a lot of it comes down to time. If you've got the time to travel and you know that you're going to get the most out of the vehicle that you buy and you've got the time to, one, actually go and and search for a vehicle and buy it and then, two, sell it when you're done, then that can be a better way to go. Mm-hmm. That was when I what I did when we were in Europe. Um, we, we bought a camper van at the start of the season, the start of late spring, early summer. So we were buying at the height of the season and then selling it three months later at the end of the season. Admittedly, we lost money on selling the vehicle, but it was something that we had for three months. Mm-hmm. And so um, in terms of what it would have cost for us to rent that vehicle, it was definitely worth so doing. You, you came out ahead. We came out ahead. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, if you've got, if you're doing an extended trip, look into buying, look into, you know, what's out there. How much is it going to cost you? How comfortable do you feel doing that? If for a lot of people, you know, they may not feel comfortable buying a vehicle that um, they don't know the history of.
Redtag.ca is the go-to website for any Canadian traveler, whether you're a parent seeking the ultimate family road trip, a group of friends looking to explore somewhere, or a couple in search of a romantic weekend getaway, Redtag.ca has got you covered. Redtag.ca offers a diverse range of travel-related products from hotel stays to car rentals. The car rentals available can suit any traveler's needs, from flashy convertibles to family-sized vans. Plus, Redtag.ca works with many car rental partners that offer GPS add-on options to help navigate your way and reach your destinations faster. The Redtag.ca expert travel professionals can assist in planning routes, overnight stays, and booking attractions you want to see along the way. If you're looking to plan your next road trip, Redtag.ca's blog, Tag Along, is a great place to get started. You'll find personal stories from fellow travelers, educational pieces from the Redtag.ca travel professionals, or informative lists of the top resorts based on your needs. Just head to blog.redtag.ca to start learning. Redtag.ca's expert team is always ready to help and answer your travel questions. Plan your perfect road trip today at redtag.ca. Does it help to be mechanically? I mean, obviously it helps to be mechanically inclined, but how mechanically inclined do you have to be before you set out on your road trip? Um, I think that you you want to make sure that your car, if you're taking your own car you want, or or other vehicle, you want to make sure that it's um, it's in good working condition before you set out. So if you know that it's almost due for an oil change, perhaps get the oil yeah. change done before you go. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's almost due for a checkup, then take it in, make sure everything's working well before you set off. Um, you can even do something like visit CAA, um, you know, go online to their website and they have um, they have a list of um, different supplies that they suggest that you have in your car if you are doing a road trip. Uh, particularly if it's winter time, just to make sure that you are safe mm-hmm. uh, when you're out there. But yeah, like, do you have jumper cables? Mm-hmm. Do you have a jack in your car? Um, just, you know, simple things like that are a, a good thing to do ahead of time uh, before you set out. Is it a good idea to know how to drive standard? I think that um, it's a good idea to know how to drive on the other side of the road. <laughs> Uh, It is a good idea to know how to drive standard. Um, Another tip I have when it comes to renting cars is um, make sure if you can only drive an automatic, make sure that you specify that you need an automatic. What I've done in the past when I've rented a car is I have requested that the cheapest automatic available and a number of times I'm surprised to actually go pick up the car and be um, given a car that is larger and better than the one that I requested. Had no be- extra charge. Yeah, because that's all they have in stock. That's actually a great tip. Yeah. So, you know, go as cheaply as you can. Make sure you can drive the car. Um, in, in terms of, of driving cars, uh, especially if you're in other countries, it's also a really good idea to um, to just, you know, look at what the road rules are in those countries. Just at least, um, you know, spend five minutes online and have a look at, um, you know, what is the speed limit? Um, Are there any sort of ticks like there are in Canada where you can turn on a red light Mm -hmm. if you're turning right, which is something that my family in Australia, every time they come here, are they're just white knuckling it when I suddenly turn. Yes. What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> I turn on a red light. They're like, "Can you do that here? Yeah, not in not in the city of Montreal, but everywhere else you can." Okay, sorry, in Ontario. Yeah, <laughs> well, pretty much across the country, it's just that spot. And sometimes traffic violations can follow you home, right? Yeah, took a road trip in Australia from Melbourne to Adelaide. And uh, I wasn't driving the car. 
uh, someone else was and drove incredibly fast like they were on the 401 in Toronto. Um, I had warned them that uh, the the, um, speeding rules are really tough in Australia. There are a lot of um, speed cameras. There are a lot of red light cameras. Um, Basically, you go over five kilometres over the limit and you are, oh, it's, it's really tough in some parts. And you run the risk of getting a ticket. And uh, we rented a car and sure enough, a couple of months later, a $245 ticket followed us in the post all the way from Australia. Yeah, I know that hurts. Yeah. And then conversely, if you're driving on the Audubon or the Autostrada in in Europe, better know the rules of the road because if you're driving under 130 kilometers an hour, stay in the right lane because you are a problem. You are a menace if you're driving any slower than that. And, you know, I think part of it too is is, um, that idea of of, um, staying with the flow of traffic. In Germany, you don't want to be the one that's doing (laughs) even 100. Exactly. And they travel. I remember driving for the first time in Europe. We were actually driving through Belgium from France to Germany. And my we we had it. We were upgraded. We did the same thing that you had suggested. We had rented the cheapest economy car, and they upgraded us to this Audi. The beautiful car is there. My husband's driving. I'm, and he has his hand hiding the the speedometer from me, so I can't see. But with both of us, we have the G force around. So like this. How fast are you going? And he was doing 180, loving every second of it. Uh, any tips on insurance? Um, the first thing to do if you're going to rent a car is to go and speak to your own insurance company and ask them, what does my insurance already cover for a car rental, uh, particularly a car rental in another country? Um, if you're renting a car in somewhere like the UK, you might be asked to pay for um, um, collision waiver insurance. Find out if your own insurance on your own car here already covers you for that. Mm -hmm. Now, you might have to do a little bit of legwork. You might need to get uh, proof of that from your insurance company, but it could save you money in the long run. And it's important to know that kind of stuff, especially if you're going to rent a car for a longer period of time. Just, you know, do a little bit of investigation and find out, is there some way that I can save some money um, because I know I'm already covered? Mm -hmm. So, um, there are always chain restaurants along the highway. Mm-hmm. But what if you want a more authentic experience? How do mm-hmm. you find the the unique, you know, mom and pop shops to eat in or stay at or any tips on that? Um, yeah. I mean, there. I think that you can find out a lot of stuff online. Uh, the um, app I mentioned before, Road Trippers, will make suggestions on places to eat along the way, diners to, to go and eat at. Um, my personal favorite mm-hmm. uh, technique is to pull into a small town to come to the downtown. If you know, for instance, if we're in Ontario, it seems to me that every small town in Ontario has a downtown core. You park up the car, you get out, you walk around, and you find out what looks good. Yeah, it can be it can be good and bad. You can find some great places. You can find some places that you think I never want to eat there again. <laughs> but you have an amazing experience. You know, maybe you stumble in a diner where it's full of characters, or you know, people that you wouldn't normally get to see, or you get to try different kinds of foods, and it's just somewhere that looks interesting. Mm-hmm. And you can find them in the middle of nowhere. I've, I may remember stopping at a diner in the middle of the woods in New Brunswick, and it was packed. Yeah. it was the only diner for hundreds of miles. Yeah. And it was Sunday morning, and everybody from all around was in there, and it was just a really unique experience. Uh, what are some of your strategies for packing the car? I guess it really depends on whether you're by yourself or two of you or with, with, with kids or a baby or a dog. <laughs> <laughs> any, uh, any strategies? There are a few things that you can do to make your trip easier when it comes to packing the car. First of all, um, skip 
I would say skip the suitcases, you know, especially those big, bulky suitcases and pack your stuff in a duffel bag. It's easier to throw in the boot. Um, it's easier to make room for other things. Um, kids, you know, particularly if you're traveling with kids, um, maybe give them their own um, their own backpack with some activities in it that they can have in the back of the seat. They can pull things out and they can help keep themselves amused that way. Uh, it's also a great idea to put in a small cooler um, which, you know, you can maybe go and have an impromptu picnic somewhere if you've got um, a cooler to keep drinks and food uh, cool. Have, having snacks is always a good idea, no matter Absolutely. how short or long yes. your trip. And wet and wet naps as well. <laughs> wet naps, wet naps are yes, wet naps are a lifesaver. Um, you could also pack a small picnic bag. Uh, there are the little backpack picnic bags that you can get where everything's in there, and then you can just take those off. You could go on a hike or go sit in a park. Um, having somewhere to put all your garbage is yes such a great idea. Just absolutely treat your car as your mobile home yeah. for the for yeah. the duration. Um, I'm just going to pass on something I just thought about now because we've gone on a lot of road trips with their kids when they were younger and uh, how to get them off their phones and into the moment. <laughs> and I remember driving up. We were driving up the North Shore in Quebec, beautiful, spectacular in winter, and uh, we told our kids, "Yeah, you can use your phones to put together a photo essay." Both of you. And, you know, they're very competitive. One out the left, one out the right. You take pictures of everything along the way. When you come back, you put it together and put set it to music. And they both did, and it was really cool. So it was a way, of, you know, allowing them to use their phones, but engaging them with the uh, with the landscape. Yeah. Well, that is great. I'm going to end up by asking you, what's your ne- next trip, road or otherwise? Well, I am planning to go back to Australia. My kids have been dropping not-so-subtle hints that they want to go and spend some time there in the summer, even though it will be winter with their family. Family. So um, I'm planning on doing that and uh, taking a side trip to Cuba PD, where my dad used to live. To where? To Cuba PD uh, in, in South Australia, which is the opal mining capital of the world. Oh, cool. And uh, doing some research there. Wow. That's fantastic. Well, safe travels. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming in, Amanda. Thank you. Amanda Lee, freelance journalist and road tripper. So what have we learned today? Well, road trips are a great opportunity to slow down the pace of life and soak up everything the world has to offer. You don't need to be a grease monkey to travel long distances in a vehicle, but it never hurts to check under the hood before you leave. And don't be afraid to go to unexpected places along the way. Who knows? You might find a gem at the pit stop. That was Three Trips Ahead, brought to you by redtag.ca. Plan your perfect winter trip today at redtag.ca or call 1-866-5-RED-TAG. Thanks for listening. Subscribe for free and leave us a comment to let us know what you think. Three Trips Ahead is produced by Stephanie Phillips and presented by the Frequency Podcast Network. For updates on our show, you can visit FrequencyPodcastNetwork.com or follow at FrequencyPods on Twitter. Next week, we'll be talking about traveling Canada with somebody who has done it arguably more than anyone else. 